Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said. Then God said. A couple of weeks ago, I was in uh, Colorado. I take a a yearly trip by myself, usually out to, to Colorado. My parents have a a home out there, and it's uh, up in the mountains, kind of isolated. Uh, as a matter of fact, their home's at about an elevation of about 8,500, 8,600 feet, so it's, it's way up there in the mountains. And uh, like I said, it's kind of isolated, so it gives me a time to, uh, to study and to, to pray, to think about different issues going on in our church. A big part of what I usually do on this trip is uh, I'll kind of seek God's heart and mind on what He wants this church to have from the pulpit. Uh, I'll kind of think on where he wants us to go in the coming year. And so out there, so alone, it's so beautiful, so quiet, creates a great environment for doing that. So I was on this trip uh, a couple of weeks ago. Y'all might remember one Sunday where I said I'm leaving here and going to the airport. Uh, that's, that's what I was doing. And uh, I'd been studying one afternoon and, and uh, I'll, I'll usually get up and I'll take two or three hours uh, in, in prayer, and uh, matter of fact, since I'm all up there by myself, I sing. That's a great way to sing out loud is when you're all by yourself. And, uh, but I will. I'll, I'll, spend, I'll get up in the morning, and I usually try to stay on Eastern time, so I'm usually up about 3.30 or 4 a.m. and uh, just worshiping the Lord, singing, doing Scripture memory, reading the Bible, praying, just trying to get my heart and mind so in tune with God's heart and mind so that as I then work through that day, uh, I pretty much kind of have his voice and direction on, on all I'm doing. Well, I'd kind of been in this mode, been doing this all day long. And it was mid-afternoon, late afternoon, and decided I needed to stretch my legs a little bit and, and kind of go out. And so I took my Bible, and I, and I walked out my parents' front door. And uh, I walked probably no further than about ten minutes. And I came to this place where I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit down. I want to just spend a few moments here. As a matter of fact, I, I took a picture of it. I wanted you to see where I was sitting. And I was right on the edge. It looks kind of cold, doesn't it? it? It's actually like 50 degrees. It's a beautiful day. This is with my camera phone. So it's not a great shot. It looks kind of dark. But it's actually a, a beautiful day. And I'm sitting right on the other side of those rocks. You know, there had been a, a, a snowstorm that weekend. And up there it's getting to a time of year that... Once the snow arrives, it's, it's not leaving, even if it gets warm. And so I'm sitting there on the other side of that, and I'm just enjoying uh, an incredible... As a matter of fact, it, Bernadette, it go, your prayer just a moment ago, I thought, Bernadette must have heard my sermon already. I, I mean, I'm just looking at God's creation, its majesty and, and beauty, and there was a very... This really impressed me. There was a very unique silence out there. Very unique, very silent, very quiet. And so I'm sitting there kind of taking this all in. Now I am, like I said, it's kind of isolated, very alone. So as I'm sitting there, I'm kind of thinking, man, I hope, uh, I hope a mountain lion's not enjoying the stillness and quietness <laughs> anywhere nearby because it'd, it'd be a while before they found my parts. But anyway, I'm sitting there. And as a matter of fact, I want you to see kind of what I was looking at. Bring up the next picture. 
this is, this is right to my left. So I'm sitting there at this rock and there's kind of this valley and it's real green and the mountains are kind of up close and, and right in your face. And then to my right, look at the next picture, uh, is that. That's what I'm looking at out there. And I mean, folks, I am alone. I mean, there's just, it's just alone still and quiet. So you can see why this might create a pretty good environment for, for, for being still, listening to the Lord and hearing Him speak. And I'm, I'm just sitting there and uh, I'm looking at that. And, and, I, and, I, and I begin to hear just that, that still small voice of God. And, and He says, impressed, aren't you? And I said, man, Lord, you know, honestly, I, I am. I just, think, I just think that's about the coolest thing in the world. So much better than the beach, Lord. You really outdid yourself. You really outdid yourself here in the mountains. And, uh, and, and you know what God said? He, he said, he said uh, you know, I just spoke. I, I said, what? He said, I just spoke. And all this happened. I just spoke. And it went from the mountains to the fish. I just spoke and the rest of creation took place. I just spoke and there was all of humanity. God just spoke. And all of this intricacy, all of this design, all of this majesty, just by the power of His voice. Now, of course, obviously, science is going to say that everything I just said was the ramblings of the ignorant and the superstitious, right? You know, they're the, they're the smart ones. They know how it really all got here. It's, you know, lava and the shifting of shelves and time and evolution. That's what has put all that there. You know, we think of, of people, we, what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves a people of faith, right? And faith is what you have when you don't have facts and truth. At least that's what the world looks at faith as. But you know what? Scientists have faith. Because you know, scientists really don't know how all this got here. They really don't know how it all got started. So they have faith. Their faith, their confidence, their hope is that there is no God. And with that faith, they can't prove that, but with that faith, that's then how they interpret all the data. You and I, of course, have faith that there is a God. And it's through that lens that we look at all of the data. We believe in an eternal God who with purpose and with intelligence and with design put all of that there. They believe, and for that we're considered slightly ignorant. Now, scientists believe in eternal matter. They believe in eternal rocks. And it is those eternal rocks that put all that there. And they're smarter than us. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Before I read this, uh, right before I said God said, God spoke, there was three words that I just read in Genesis that described the, the state of things before God spoke. It was formless. Formless, without, without any order. Without any boundaries. Without any definition. It was formless. It was empty. We know what that means. And it was dark. And then God spoke, and there was order. There was meaning. There was purpose. Then God spoke, and there was light, and there was life. 
Now, we are uh, officially in the holiday season, the Christmas season. I say officially like it just started. I'm pretty sure in America the Christmas season starts like two minutes after the last piece of candy is given out on Halloween. Isn't that about when it happens? And, uh, but no, we're, you know, this week, matter of fact, right now in front of us, this is the week, isn't it? I mean, the parties are going to start cropping up and the, got to get after that shopping in another week or so, the travel will begin. It's a, it's a very hectic time. You know, it's interesting. We're celebrating the coming of God into our world and we have created an environment where our way of celebrating that is very loud and, and it's very busy. And that's kind of tragic. You know, there's a lot of needs across this room. Every person in this room has needs. Some are more critical. Some are more urgent at the moment. But but we've all got different needs. Do you realize you don't have a need in your life that is going to be serviced by loudness and busyness? Not one. Not a single need that will be serviced by that. No, what we need is that voice of God that brings a sense of order and brings a sense of definition, that voice of God that brings light and life. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand where I'm going with this sermon, okay? I'm not against Christmas celebration. I love Christmas. Matter of fact, I might be a a little bit more on the worldly pastor. I, I, I like Santa. I like the tree. I like all of it. I like the food, the decorations. I like everything that goes with Christmas. This has been my favorite time of year. A lot of my great memories in life, not not just in Christmas, in life, kind of come back to this time of year and to this season. So I love it all. Now, I recognize for some reason in our human tendency, we, we, we tend to focus on the things we use to celebrate instead of what we're celebrating. We, we too get lost in Santa and the tree and the gifts and the decorations. Those should be tools. Now, in their proper perspective, using them to worship and celebrate. I mean, I think God coming into the world ought to be about the biggest thing we celebrate and think about. So I'm all for the hoopla. I'm all for that. But knowing that with humanity, knowing that with the average human being walking on this planet, the great need in our lives is, is, is for a sense of order. We struggle with this formlessness, this emptiness, this darkness. We need the voice of God to speak into our lives, and yet we cover it up. We live a life that makes it almost impossible. In our loudness, in our busyness, it makes it almost impossible to hear God. You know why we like Christmas? For a lot of us, it numbs the emptiness. It numbs the problems. It covers them up. But what we don't realize with the very things we're using to cover up the emptiness and the problems at the same time, we're covering up the cure to our problems. Folks, Jesus entered this world as a baby so that you could know the voice of God. Jesus came to this planet so you could have a conversation with God. Do you know what a blessing it is? What a special occasion it is to enjoy and experience the presence of God, to enjoy and experience His voice, because we don't deserve it. You don't deserve, I don't deserve an audience with God. I don't deserve the power and the work of His voice. Because I've rejected His voice. You have rejected His voice. So wait, wait a minute. Well, I, I don't remember rejecting the voice of God. You ever told a lie? That's just the beginning of all the times you've rejected God's voice. We need God's voice. We need God to speak into our lives. What would he say? 
What, what would God say if, if, if we sat down, hey, Lord, I'll meet you up at Starbucks this afternoon. Uh, what would he say? Well, I've got an idea, maybe a little bit different than, than what you might think, but uh, let's look at this. Turn with me this morning to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. We were just in Genesis 1, now we're going to go to Hebrews 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs around you. Uh, I hope you'll grab one and, and study along with us. Hebrews chapter 1. If you go to Revelation, end of the Bible, head back to the left, you'll go through some small books. Jude, uh, what is there, John, Peter, James, and then you'll be in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read verse, first three verses. Hebrews 1 verse 1. It says, Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed the heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. He is the radiance. Jesus is the radiance of the Father's glory. Jesus is the exact expression of the Father's nature. And Jesus sustains all things by His powerful Word. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. If God were to speak to you today, He would speak to you about Jesus. I know you're thinking, oh man, I was hoping for something a little more practical. I I really need something kind of practical this week. Now hold on, hold on. God is speaking through Jesus to you about Jesus. You know, prior to Jesus, God spoke in a lot of different ways. I mean, mankind, is there a God? Who is He? What's He doing? What's He one of me? And God answers those questions. And He answered them through prophets and dreams and visions. He, He answered them through miracles. There was a wide variety of ways that God answered the questions of man. That God would answer the questions in your life. But today, one voice. Today, one way. God speaks through Jesus. That's the voice. That's the name that God speaks into your life. Now, when you and I hear that, and we love Jesus, why we're here this morning. We love Jesus. We think highly of Jesus. But but I think probably we also wonder, is that enough? Is that name big enough? Is that voice big enough for my issues? Is that voice, is that name big enough for the problems and struggles and the fears and the challenges that I've got going on in my life? And so this passage we just read introduces you to that name. Introduces you to just how big that voice is. And did you see what all God said about Jesus in that voice? First of all, He says Jesus is the inheritor. He is the heir. He is the one. He is the one of God. You don't have to look for another. We don't have to. Is there another one coming, God? Is is there another voice? Is there another messenger? Is is there somebody? No, there's one heir. 
Folks, it is safe for you and I to train our eyes, to train our ears, our heart, our mind, to fully focus on Jesus. God says, this is the one. He's my heir. He is the rightful heir because he's my son. He's the rightful heir because he's the creator. He is the rightful heir because he is the redeemer. This is the one poured out all on him. Focus solely on Him. Look and listen just for Him. This is God's Son, the heir. Okay, that's the first thing we see in that title. This is the one. I'm not looking at anything else. I'm not looking for anyone else. This is the one. But God, is He big enough? Well, look at all that God says about Him here. He is the heir, but He's this heir, this one, is also the Creator. Jesus is the creator of the universe. And there is a wonderful scientific. Folks, let me tell you something. Science has never done anything but catch up to the Bible. There are places it lags far behind. But at best, it catches up to the Bible. Because the Greek uses a word here that really is kind of interesting. It says, Jesus is the creator of the universe. The Greek word there, Ionis, is the word for ages. Jesus is the creator of the expanding of times. You know why I say science is catching up? Because science has just learned in the last generation that our universe is ever expanding. The universe is the sum of the product of time. It is the sum of the product of different ages. And Jesus Christ is the creator of all of those ages. Jesus Christ is the creator of every bit of space and time. Every speck of dust. I mean, folks, I take in those mountains, that awesome majesty. Maybe for you, it is the beach that, that floats your boat, no pun intended. Maybe whatever part of creation. Folks, do you realize whatever majesty you're looking out there that just warms you and inspires you it's just a speck of dust compared to all that jesus christ has created so remember my question is that name is that voice big enough oh this name this voice is the creator of everything the creator of every speck of dust on a hundred thousand million galaxies that mountain's kind of small isn't it jesus has created every bit of it but Jesus not only created it, it also says that by His Word, by His powerful Word, He sustains it. Jesus is the sustainer of all things. I love this passage here. It says, by His Word. Now, there's two Greek words, in the, there's two words for word that are used often in the Greek New Testament. The first word is logos, very important word. As a matter of fact, Jesus is called the Logos. Jesus is the Logon Ton Theon. He is the Word of God. And that word Logos means He is the content of God. He is the truth of God. He is the revelation of God. So that word for word is a big word, isn't it? That's not the word used right here. The word right here when it says that He sustains all things by the power of His Word, it's the word Rhema. You know what that word means? Just the voice. It just means by His spoken Word, He sustains all things. So you see in that phrase, it takes us right back to Genesis chapter 1. Just by His speaking, just by His voice, He created all things. And now we learn in Hebrews 1, just by His speaking, He sustains all things. Now folks, let's come down a little bit. Let's come back from the, the stars and the moon and the sun and the mountains and the sea and the fish. This is true for what's going on inside our life also. 
He sustains all things. He sustains the marriage, the finances, the health, the fears, the challenges. He can sustain your life by just His spoken Word. By just speaking. Jesus is also the radiator. That's not a car part. Jesus radiates the glory of God. Now this is a fun word also. Don't confuse radiating with reflecting. It's the difference between the sun and the moon. The moon reflects. Wasn't it a beautiful moon this past week? We had a full moon. I remember one night I was shutting all the lights off and getting ready for bed and I looked out in my backyard. There was shadows. I mean, you see that when the moon is so bright, it actually casts shadows. You realize the moon's a rock. It's not light. It has zero light. It is reflecting the sun's light. That's reflecting. The sun radiates. The sun is the actual source of light. It's producing the light. Well, folks, Jesus is not just reflecting God's glory. Jesus is actually radiating. He is the very source of God's glory. Is this voice, is this name getting bigger for you? Because that's what this passage is seeking to do, is expand our understanding of this name and of this voice. Jesus is not only the radiator, but He is the expresser. He's the exact expression of God. This is a fun word because it does almost two opposite things at the same time. You see there it says that Jesus is the exact expression of the Father. That means when you look at Jesus, you're looking at the, excuse me, when you look at Jesus, you're looking at the Father. When you look at the Father, you're looking at Jesus. They're absolutely the same. But then the word flips around and it says Jesus is the expression of the Father. That means they're distinct from one another. So you're following what this one word is doing? It's saying when you look at Jesus, you're looking at the Father. When you look at the Father, you're looking at Jesus. Jesus is not the Father, and the Father is not Jesus. Just in this phrase, we see the beginning developments of our understanding of the Trinity. They're one, but they're distinct. So in these first five titles, we are seeing the the greatness and the majesty and the glory and the bigness of this name and of this voice. But then the next phrase... The next title brings Jesus right down next to us. And now Jesus is walking right alongside us because He is our purifier. Jesus is the one who purifies us from all sin. You know, in our pageant, we portray that at the cross. And as I've said, most every Christmas and certainly every single Easter, folks, it is ugly and violent and awful to look at the cross. And when you see that ugliness, when you see that violence, when you see that horror, what that needs to add up for you is that's the cost of my sin. And that's the work of purifying. Jesus is purifying. He is cleansing us. Do you know why? So I can hear God. So I can know and walk and relate with God. Nothing in me can create that opportunity. But the purifier comes down, walks right alongside me and does that. And then the last title, ruler. He is the ruler. He is at the right hand of the Most High. And notice what he's doing. What does it say he's doing? Starts with an S, ends with a T. Three letter word, vowel in between. He's sitting. <laughs> he's sitting. 
The ruler is sitting. You say, okay, so what? That's kind of juxtaposed to the priest of the Old Testament. You know, in their work of sacrifice and their work of ministry, they never sat. Because the work of purifying us, the work of cleansing, the work of sacrifice was never done. But at the cross, it was one sacrifice. Once for all. It's complete. The work of bringing man to God is done. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. And since it's finished, the ruler can sit. His work is done and he is now at the place above all places and he is the name above all names. This is the babe of Bethlehem. He's huge, isn't he? He is huge. He is beautiful. He is grand. He is glorious. He is powerful. And this is the one that wants to speak into your life. Folks, God's word is powerful and God's first word for you is Jesus. It is by that name and it is by that power that he wants to speak into the issues of your life. Folks, I'm sitting out there looking at those mountains. I'm sitting on that rock. And I mean, I am I am utterly overwhelmed in that moment. And you want to know something interesting? That wasn't the first time I sat at that rock. I've sat at that rock hundreds of times, literally Hundreds of times, every single time, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by the beauty and the majesty of my God. And then to just be reminded by Him, Randy, by just my voice. By just my voice, I put all this here. And it's with that same voice that I want to bring order and direction and meaning and purpose into your life. question is, will I hear it? question is will you hear it because we are so so busy 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 with all of our importance we're even busy for god aren't we busy 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 running around but are we ever still and are we ever quiet folks let me tell you what this message is not about it's not about resting that, that might be a great need in our lifestyle a whole nother message this has nothing to do with resting has nothing to do with saying no to a party or no to a commitment and staying home one night this week. has nothing to do with that. Why? So you can watch more TV and take another nap? It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Where are we being still and being quiet? You know, this doesn't sound like much like a Christmas message, does it? But here's my question. What are we celebrating if we're not living why he came. Let me ask that question. What are we going to celebrate for the rest of this month, Christmas Eve and Christmas night? What are we rejoicing in? What are we celebrating if we're not living why he entered this world? He entered this world so I could know and relate with the living God. He entered this world so I could hear his voice. That truth, that fact alone is so big. It is so transformational and monumental. It means everything in my life changes now. My priorities are different. My schedule is different. Everything is about getting to be with God and know him and hear him and walk with him. Folks, being still and being quiet may be the single most important part of walking with Christ. And most of us aren't doing it at all. 
Not only may it be the most important, it may be the most difficult. It is not easy to be still and to be quiet. And so here we are celebrating the coming of God into this world and we're going to do it with lots of loudness, lots of hecticness, lots of busyness. We're going to run around and as important as that might all be, it's the last thing on the earth we need. We need to be still. I mean, work at it. It's work. I need to work at being still and being quiet. I need to work at reading God's Word. Oh, it's hard to understand. Really? How much work have you put into it? You need to work at God's voice. Work at His Word. Study it. Memorize it. Think on it. Meditate on it. Work at it. And then when you're all done with that, work again at being still and being quiet. Because that process is the answer. It is the strength. It is the joy. And it is the hope of Every issue you're dealing with in your life right now. It all begins right there in that stillness and that quietness waiting on the voice of God. And the only reason you have a chance to hear that voice. Is because of the babe of Bethlehem. Let's pray.